Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Springtime. Love it. Me too, Governor. Your Bendrovsky show is just moments away, but before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. Springtime. Love it. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. Springtime. Love it. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke, how to think politically, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com. And subscribe to the Reader. And if you go to the website, ChicagoReader.com, become a Ben head. ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Not only will you find, oh, Jay Marie, what's happening? Not only will you find our endless archive of Ben Jarofsky shows, over 1,000 episodes, you'll also have information on how to become a Ben head. That's what we call avid listeners of this show. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or the boulevard. Become a Ben head. Support the Ben Jarofsky show. Ben, you got a text. Everything good? Yes, it was. Well, everything's good. It's our uh, guest, uh, Delmarie Cobb, texting me. She still hasn't gotten the email invite. I'm shattering the fourth wall here and letting hmm. folks know just how complicated it is to do these daily hookups with guests. You would think it would be easy, but no, it's not. I don't. We have a whole staff of like dozens of people working on okay, these. Now you're that... really breaking the fourth wall. All right. Yeah, you're going a little too far. Guys. Don't talk about that a big staff we have, please. <laughs> anyway, that's what that was. That text was. Where's the email? I am resending it now. Right. Oh, I may have put a dot com rather than a dot net. That may have been it. Ah, okay, okay. But hey, the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show starts now. is Tuesday, May 18th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Alderman David Moore and the return of political strategist Delmarie Cobb. And now your host. I resent the email. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Welfare for Me Tuesday. And here's why. Good weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yes, I did. Yes, I, I did. did. Very good. Yeah. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to let too much of the cat out of too much of the bag. But Dr. D's on a, a roll these days. We're just going to leave it right there. His apartment's looking awesome. He's got it all set up. He's got like this soundproofing stuff that up there, making it look like a real professional setting. I spent all weekend soundproofing this little closet I'm in. And then it was just blown by the brown line. Roaring yeah! <laughs> Damn you, China! <laughs> Damn you, China. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, I had a great weekend. Uh, watched Mayor of Easttown. I'm obsessed with that show. It's on HBO. 
discovered. I, I wrote about it last week for the reader, my reader newsletter, and discovered I misspelled Easttown. Oops. Oh, boy. Don't you hate <laughs> when that happened? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was looking for anybody I could find to, like, blame it on. You know what I mean? To shift the result. Yeah. For a while, I thought about throwing you under the bus. I was going to say, I'm not there. That's not on me for once. <laughs> I go, it's my producer, Dennis. Uh, but then I just could not, as creative as I am, could not think of any way where I could just shift the blame to you. So well, that's like the uh, the the writing version of mispronouncing Maya Duke Masava. Yes, it is. No, it's worse. <laughs> that one is. T- I'm sorry, man. Who knew it had two T's? I didn't know. Anyway, what else? Uh, got a wonderful email from Joan, uh, listener. Mother of William Horberg. And it really made my day, Joan, um, your email, that sweet email you sent me this morning. And it came with a story. Uh, Queen's Gambit being turned into a musical. I didn't know this, D, until I read this article. Like, um, musical Queen's Gambit. Now, look, I love Queen's Gambit as much as the next guy. But a musical? My first thought was, eh, I'm not seeing it. But, Joan, I've been thinking about it. I think you could make a good music. The key is you got to have some snappy tunes, obviously. But the whole thing about Queen's Gambit, what made it so successful, my humble opinion, was that uh, just the way they integrated all the different aspects of the story, including the look, that early 60s look that is very popular. I think if you can convey that look, that feel, that sense of great possibilities just beyond the horizon with the turn of the decade and new president in the White House, et cetera, and so forth, I'm just could make a good musical. Anyway, I woke today to discover the world is madness, folks. Utter madness. Not just the insane in onslaught in Israel and Palestine. I urge everyone to check out the David Ferris interview that we dropped this weekend. Fascinating interview with David Ferris. He really does a great job of just breaking it down. Uh, but also, Republicans gearing up to take away abortion rights once and for all. Yes, the Supreme Court is going to be hearing a case coming out of Mississippi. Essentially, it's just going to do away with abortion rights uh, in this country. And I was reading that article, ladies and gentlemen. At the same time, I was thinking about the footage I saw. Watch this footage of Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene wandering through the halls of Congress looking for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to just what? Give grief to? Assail and assault. Now, just a little background. Marjorie Taylor Greene, at the time she was wandering through halls in this footage, was not Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She was private citizen. It was, I think, 2019. AOC had just, uh, was emerging as being a, like a national celebrity from the left. The new voice, the new face of the Democratic left. And so Marjorie Taylor Greene and about three of her cohorts were wandering through Congress looking for her so they could just lambast her, confront her, give her grief. Like she did with David Hogue. She had this thing like she would go up to people. She goes up to people, just confronts them, gets in her face. You know, what are you afraid? And then when the people walk away because she's like a lunatic, what are you afraid? It, it's like very bizarre behavior. She gets away with it. It's got her far in the world. So I guess that's why she's continuing it. Anyway, so uh, she and her cohorts are walking through the halls of Congress uh, looking for AOC's office. And they're going on and on about the killing of unborn babies in New York. They're uh, foes of abortion rights. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking how much they love Donald Trump. And he was president at the time. They talked about how much they loved him. And I'm thinking, yo, Margie, how many abortions do you think Donald Trump has paid for? No, I mean, I think this is a legitimate question. I mean, he bragged, always bragged about having unlimited, unprotected sex throughout the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. He was doing it right into the 21st century. 
with the stripper. So you got to figure. I'm just saying odds. Odds are at some point, Margie, at some point along the way, Donald Trump must have gotten some woman pregnant. Maybe more than one. Maybe two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't know. Just the odds are such. The man was bragging about unlimited, unprotected sex. So sooner or later, he's going to get a woman pregnant. So what do you think? How many abortions, huh? Just saying. You're against abortion. You believe that life is sacred at all stages, even from the earliest moment of conception. And yet, you worship Donald Trump. A man who brags about having unprotected, unlimited sex. So just saying. If you're going to give AOC grief because New York allows women to get abortions, aren't you even going to think about the abortions that your leader, the man you love, has had? I'm not a doctor. No, (laughs) he's not a doctor. So he's not the one doing the abortions. But he's the one paying for them. Unless he's so cheap. There's always this possibility, Marjorie. He's so cheap that he tells the woman... Go get the abortion and bill me. And then he doesn't pay the bill. He's known to do that. Just saying, he's known to do that. You know, like when he hires a contractor and he agrees, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay you a million dollars to fix this building. Okay. And then the contractor comes in. Well, I fixed it. Here's the bill. Oh, I don't have the money. I'll pay you $100,000. If you don't like it, see me in court. So he could, you know, he may have stiffed uh, some women on his promise to pay for the abortion. Anyway, I was, that's what I was thinking as I was watching Marjorie Taylor Greene wandering through the halls of Congress looking for AOC to give her grief. Madness, folks. The vote count in Arizona continues. Talk about lunacy. The whole strategy is based on the fraudulent claim that there was cheating in the presidential election. So Republicans have instigated a recount, a recount, and a recount. <laughs> it's so it's insane. They're like the pavilion that they were having the recount in. They can't even have access to it anymore. They've been in there so long. So they're going to have to stall the recount. By the way, there already was an official recount in Arizona. So they're just recounting and recounting and recounting because Donald Trump said the election was stolen from him. So Republicans are determined to prove that something that didn't happen actually happened. They can't just say openly acknowledge that Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden won. No, they got to have the recount. And now Republican state officials in Arizona are saying enough's enough already. You're making us look like lunatics. You're firing up unstable people who are making threats. People like Marjorie Taylor Greene wandering through the halls of Congress looking for AOC to get in her face. You're undermining democracy. No, got to keep counting and recounting and counting again because, you know, Donnie Trump says he really won. And if Donnie says it must be true, well, it must be true because he's our exalted leader. What else? Mask rules coming down. Dee and I were talking about this this morning. <laughs> it's time for me, Dennis. We'll probably be doing a whole uh, riff on this on Oh, What a Week. I could see it coming. It's time for me to move on and get used to a world without masks. And I have to tell you, Dennis. I'm having trouble with this. I'm just being open and honest. I'm having trouble. (laughs) I'm struggling with it. Last night at bowling, guy showed up really drunk. I'm not naming names. I'm just going to. And it wasn't me. 
It wasn't Dennis. Oh, my God. Your name is still on our bowling. Ladies and gentlemen. Cool. Dennis was a backup bowler on my bowling team about three years ago. And then he stopped coming because, I don't know, Ben, I'm very busy. And this is quite. Yeah. Acting like a pandemic didn't happen. Cool. Go ahead. (laughs) This is such an imposition. And I'm a busy guy, Ben. And uh, hold on. Oh, I have a very important phone call coming in. Uh, anyway, but uh, Dennis, your name, Denny Mandingo, is still oh on my the god. Sheet. That was my name. That was my name. It's still there. I'm like, I'm like, you know, Bob, you might take his name off the sheet. I don't think he's coming back. The guy's got a good life. He doesn't even live in the neighborhood anymore. He likes me. Think- Bob likes me. Hey, that dickhead. He'll be back. <laughs> Bob's one of these guys, you know, he's got the mask on, but he doesn't put it over his face, but he's still way, way. I think Bob likes it like the ascot look. You know, like we're all like struggling with the home, like taking the mask off. So Bob's thing is he's going to keep the mask around his neck. <laughs> Bob, it's very important to protect the neck with that mask. Okay. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of studies have shown that the virus has been passed through the neck. I've still got my mask on, D. So this drunk guy comes up to me. I'm not going to name names. Hey, how you doing, Betty? He's really drunk. He's like right in my face. And I realized one of the things I really liked about the pandemic, you know, I know that sounds weird. Like you like the thing about the pandemic. But one of the few things I liked about the pandemic, I think I could do a list. I think I might do a reader list. Like things I actually liked about the pandemic. Just spell all the words right, please. <laughs> Touche. East Town. I will now show you. I know how to spell East Town. <clears throat> East Town. E A S T T O W N. C D. There's two T's. Nobody told me that. And two <laughs> C's and vaccinated. All right. Just remember that. <laughs> anyway, so this guy gets in my face. He's so drunk. How you doing? I'm like, mm. could you just like. I don't know. Can we go back to the whole six feet thing with you, dude? You're like literally in my face. I have vaccinated. I want to see my card. So he showed me his card. Yeah, he was vaccinated. Of course, it could be a manufactured card. You know, oh, my selling. God. <laughs> they're selling those on the Internet. You, you didn't know that, did you, D? You didn't know that, man. <laughs> By the way, I've been doing a lot of Internet research. I overcame my fear about taking the deep dive into uh, Mayor Lightfoot's the hacked emails. Wait, you we went on the dark a, web? We, I'm on the dark. We're going to have a dark webian guy on the show. Yeah, I didn't tell oh, you that. Th- this show's getting hacked in about two weeks. <laughs> we had a great pre-show production meeting, which was mostly Dennis and I talking about basketball, none of which we're going to use on the show. Got to really... Got to do a better job, Dennis, of being more productive on our pre-show production meetings instead of me going, gee, man, you going to watch the game Wednesday? Anyway, uh, yeah, I booked uh, Freddie Martinez. He's going to come on the show. He's a real deep web, dark web guy. Um, and uh, Tommy Shuba uh, will be coming on the show. Uh, I'm always, I'm happy to say Alderman David Moore is here. We're going to bring him on in a little bit. Alderman David Moore, the pride and joy of the 17th Ward, candidate for Secretary of State, proud graduate of Simeon High School, and graduate of Western Illinois University. Is that unbelievable? I'm doing this. Fun. I don't have a script. I'm just reciting this. David Moore's like, God damn, this guy is good. What a kitty I am. <laughs> David Moore, who once spent 
two hours driving me around the 17th ward. God bless him. <laughs> He's like, how oh, bad I'll show you the 17th ward. Those are the days Father Flager was full glory, but uh, we'll hold off on that story for another time. Anyway, I want to just um, close by uh, talking. This this is actually, I want David Moore to hear what I'm going to say. We're going to take a break, and then I'll get his comments on this. David Moore running for Secretary of State. Now, I understand Secretary of State is not an office that deals with, like, I don't know, uh, tax issues per se, but I'd love to hear his opinion of this. This story was in today's Sun-Times. Uh, two candidates, Republicans, running for uh, governor. They wanted to unseat J.B. Pritzker, a gentleman named State Senator Darren Bailey. Everybody who listens to the Ben Jarofsky show know who's Darren Bailey is, D.B., the big fella from downstate. We talk about him all the time. And uh, Gary Rabin, the businessman uh, who's made a fortune uh, in a paving company. I think I just lost David Moore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> scared him Don't off. Don't talk gubernatorial politics. Okay, there, there he comes. He's right back, David Moore. I've got a little nervous here, David. Uh, anyway, uh, so Gary uh, Rabin and da- uh, Darren Bailey have this uh, notion. Uh, they want Governor Pritzker to turn down, to reject federal money uh, that would go to unemployed people $300 a week. They say it's a disincentive from working. And that uh, this is the reason that jobs are going unfilled. So they want the governor to turn it down. 18 other Republicans, 18 Republican governors throughout the country are turning them down. They used to, some of these same Republican governors were the ones who turned down uh, Obamacare aid for Medicaid patients too. And the notion is that somehow or other, like it's a disincentive if you help people who have no job so they could pay their basic bills. And you know what? I'm listening. I'm so old. I remember Ronald Reagan and the anecdotes he told about food stamps and some welfare lady buying liquor. David Moore is too young. He doesn't remember this, but I'm older than David Moore. I remember these anecdotes. It's like nothing ever changes. You know what? I just want to say, how come it's a disincentive when you help someone directly who needs assistance? That's a disincentive in the minds of the Rabins of the world and the DB, uh, Darren Bailey's of the world. But it's like sound economic strategies when you have, when you give a gazillionaire a tax break. They always tell you, Ben, if you give a gazillionaire a tax break, what he'll do, see, is he'll use those dollars to buy a yacht. Follow me on this, Ben. He'll buy the yacht and then the yacht company will be able to hire a guy to mop the floor. And in that way, that tax break will work its way down to the Auburn Gresham community where David Moore is the alderman. That's sound economic policies, Ben. And I'm like, why don't you just give the $300 to the unemployed guy at Auburn Gresham and save the middleman with the yacht? Oh, come on, Ben. That's welfare. We can't tolerate welfare in our society. Meanwhile, Darren Bailey... He's a farmer. He's getting farm subsidies. Yeah, Danny Mahopoulos, WBEZ. Check it out. You don't believe me? Go check it out. He's getting farm subsidies. That is correct. I have no problem helping farmers get through hard times. Absolutely no problem doing it. But some people call that welfare. I don't call that because I believe in helping people when times are hard. But come on, Darren. You got a weird notion. Your notion is 
welfare for me, but not for thee. We got a great show today, everybody. As I said, Alderman David Moore is here. Uh, Alderman of the 17th Ward, candidate for Secretary of State. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ben. It's always good seeing you. And yeah, that was, we was out there for about two hours driving around. We were, <laughs> As I recall, and it, we, we will not belabor this, but it was a TIFF story that yes. got me there. Uh, and we drove around the, I think you sat behind, you got, you said, Ben, let me drive your car. It was my car and you were driving and yes. you showed me, you took me every corner. We in and out and we were going through alleys and. It's quite a quite a day. I was uh, take, get, getting a firsthand view uh, of the 17th Ward. Uh, and in my humble opinion, the inequities of our tax increment financing program, which I will not uh, take the deep dive into. But, man, this is a program that's supposed to help wards like the 17th and not be squandered uh, in gentrifying neighborhoods that don't need it. But, uh, David, that's uh, neither here nor there. You're running for uh, secretary of state uh, in the state of Illinois. And I want to get into some Chicago issues. Um, but before we do that, why don't you tell folks why you decided you wanted to run for secretary of state, what you hope uh, to achieve with this. So go ahead. Absolutely. Um, first of all, it's um, a servant seat. Um, it's, it's a nonpartisan seat where you have to serve everybody. And regardless of race, religion, um, um, party or whatever, you have to serve everyone. And everyone knows that in Chicago, uh, I have a I have a servant's heart. But part of that servant's heart is that you have to be transparent. Uh, everything that I've done has been transparent. And I believe also that you, um, and I believe equity, equity in hiring and, and contracting and services um, provided. And that's an office that provides services um, to all walks of life. And you have to be um, consistent and, and provide that good service. And so that's, that's one of the reasons. The other reason is because I see that seat as the voice of the young people. Um, Secretary White, as you all know, has been a great ambassador uh, for Illinois. He has been a great servant and, and has led that office with great ca- uh, character and integrity. And that's, I'm not telling you what I'm going to do. That's why I, what I have done as an alderman. And, and everybody in the city council can attest to that. People that I've worked through with throughout the um, city and throughout the state um, can attest to that. And that's what I, I want to be. I want to be that um, a shining example for young people as I do as an alderman, giving them access, giving them a seat at the table and, and, and giving them that voice. And so I want to continue to do that, but also use my um, my expertise in accounting. I had a dual degree in accounting and operations management. I spent about um, close to 15 years in the um, combination of the private and public sector, um, working for Fortune 500 companies, um, doing accounting. And so uh, understanding opportunity costs, understanding um, ways to um, generate revenue. And, um, you know, so I can use my accounting and my um, operations background, my whole business background to make that um, office more effective, even more effective. So I just want to build on the legacy of um, Secretary White. There's an old saying I learned in um, college when I was taking um, quality management, and it came from Jerron Ishikawa, um, a, a guru. He said, if it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> find out why it's not breaking and improve on it. And that's what this is all about. Uh, again, Secretary White has done a good job uh, and, it, and there's always room for elevation. And when you're standing on somebody's shoulders, like a Secretary White, you bet, better be able to look farther and do um, do even better. So that's why I'm running. 
All right. Uh, and that was quite a riff. It gave me a lot to respond to. A couple things. I'll get to the Secretary uh, White uh, example, but let's just talk about the transparency. A little stumble last week with the Facebook uh, situation, and we talked about it on the show. I would urge you, whatever uh, Delmarie Cobb tells you to do, you just always do what Delmarie says, okay? I've learned that from my life, uh, dealing with Delmarie Cobb. Uh, and uh, she's smiling because she's up next. Uh, but um, so... You got in a little bit of hot water there. There were some negative stories uh, because you were using your, what was it, your personal Facebook page or the Ward Facebook page to promote a secretary of state campaign. Uh, talk about uh, why, what happened, David, and what you did about it. Go ahead. Absolutely. So everybody know, and from before face, before social media started, one of the litmus tests for making sure you separate um, politics and um, the the service side is it, the litmus test is money. Are you spending any resources or using any of the city's resources to do government activity? And I have never done that and will never do that. So including using any of my workers or anything like that um, to do any political activity. So my Facebook page, which is which is called Alderman David Moore, before I became Alderman, it was candidate David Moore, then I came Alderman, it was Alderman David Moore, um, is, is, is not what you call an official government page. Um, it's not official government page because there's no government resources that's used for it. And so um, just like I would, you know, put something like watch the um, Ben Rosky show, you know, I post that on my Facebook page. And But if they would come back and say, hey, you cannot promote that <laughs> on your Alderman David Moore page, which many of us and other people have done with other things, um, um, throughout, um, since at least I've been alderman. And even as you go look at people's pages, when Biden was running, um, <laughs> you can, you can probably pick any elected official, um, down with Trump support Biden. And so at the end of the day, you know, it was a warning and it was just saying, because somebody reported me and they, and it was a warning and they said, Hey, you just got to take the alderman off of your name. And that's how I did. I just took the alderman off of my name and put David Moore. So it was a warning. All right. Very good. By the way, you put, my, if you put, start promoting the Ben Jarosky show on your Facebook page, the powers of being, they'll probably take you off of Facebook. <laughs> so, uh, 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 a word of warning for me on that one. Uh, now you, you made the, uh, reference to, uh, secretary white. I know Jesse white for years. Uh, pretty much everybody who covers politics has known Jesse white for years. And when I think of secretary of state, follow me on this David Moore. I, there's two models. All right. There's the Jesse White model, which is it was the pinnacle of his political career. He was a state rep before this. Uh, I believe he was a county recorder of deeds as one, at one point doing this from memory. Uh, and uh, he was a, a lieutenant in George Dunn's 42nd Ward Democratic Organization. It's all coming back to me. Uh, but the pinnacle of his career was being elected secretary of state. And he made it clear that he was not using it as a, a springboard to anything else. Uh, then there's that tradition of people like, and I'm doing again off the top of my head, uh, Senator Alan Dixon, uh, Jim Edgar. I may be forgetting someone in there. I know Delmarie Cobb will probably correct me uh, when we do the interview that I've forgotten. Who have used it as Governor Ryan? Yes, yeah, thank you. I didn't even have to wait to George <laughs> Ryan. So. Which category are you in? Are you, David Moore, using this as a springboard like Alan Dixon to become senator someday? Or are you viewing this as the pinnacle of your public service career? Go ahead. 
You know, that's that's a fair question. And for me, it's always been about service. And that's what attracts me to this position. It's a it's a a what even in my automatic seat, it's a nonpartisan seat. And I just I just love serving. So to directly answer your question, um, I am not looking to benchmark and step off anywhere else I can do. If I got that calling on my life, I would. I tell people, Ben, that's two people I keep eyes, my eyes on. I probably said this on your show before. That's anybody saying they want to be a preacher and anybody saying they want to be a politician. Um, those are two things you don't run to. You run from it. Because if you're being a preacher, the part you're missing is that the pastoring part. That's where you got to go see the sick at night. That's why you got to go check on people and go to funerals um, at late at night or uh, sit with people and counsel them. And then being an elected official, yeah, it's easy to sit up there and sit in a chair. But what about when Miss Johnson call you late at night? Are you going to take that phone call? Um, do you have to leave a birthday party to go check on a constituent and all of that? So those are the things. It's that service side that I a- a- enjoy. And that's what that's what this is about for me being able to serve and, and serve in a, in a nonpartisan way. And, and that, that that's what I like about this. So to directly answer your question, if I wanted to run for anything else, if I got the call to do it, I could do that from the automatic seat. Those, those things are not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you announced your campaign uh, in Macomb, Illinois, uh, Western Illinois. That's where you attended. I thought that was a really smart stroke. And uh, I talked about that on the show, David. And I, I'll tell you why. Uh, you're a black man from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Okay? okay. That has some advantages and it has some disadvantages when you're running statewide in Illinois. So the first thing, in my humble opinion, uh, that any black man running statewide has to do is show people that he's a, like a citizen of the state. And Roland Burris is the role model for this in many ways. Well, well he first of all, he's from Centralia, so he literally from downstate but it's like oh yeah that was was smart because sent a message you know i'm for the whole state of illinois i'm not just representing chicago i'm not just representing the 17th war and you may say oh bad but that's unfair you don't make white people do that well that's our world david you know what i'm saying i i hear you it's unfair but at the same time i thought it was a, a smart move get your thoughts on uh, your your announcement at uh, Macomb in Western Illinois. Go ahead. Absolutely, Ben. And, and what you just said, it, it, it sounds good, and, and people probably think it was that way, but not at all. It just, if it turned out that way, then great. It was because I, I am a um, young Black uh, person from Chicago, born um, in the Robert Taylor homes, um, lived in Inglewood community. And when I was growing up, that's all I knew, Ben, and so it wasn't until I got to Western Illinois University where I learned to work with different people of different races, different backgrounds, different religions, different parties. And at, at the end of the day, that's why I learned to love Illinois. I always loved Chicago because that's where I was from. But it was in Macomb where I loved to lo- learn to love Illinois. And that's why I went back there, because all of those relationships being that I developed in college from being in student government, from being an RA, I kept those relationships throughout the state over the years. And many of those people are in key positions now. Many of my friends, as a matter of fact, my one of my friends' father is um, a uh, Republican. I think he's a township supervisor in Pekin area. And she's like, oh, my dad wants to meet you. He, he's a staunch Republican. But um, the only person he's ever voted for was as a Democrat was Jesse White, <laughs> you know. And so it's, it's, it's those relationships 
that are important to me, whether it's in East St. Louis, whether it's in Danville, um, whether it's in Macomb or Peoria, I have those relationships already being. So when you're talking about going downstate, downstate is my second home because that's, I spent a lot of time there, not only in college, but going to their homes and visiting with them during spring break. So I'm comfortable down there. Uh, well, that's, um, that's going to be important, obviously, uh, when, as the campaign unfolds. Uh, there are candidates with uh, more money. You know this as well as I do. Uh, and so those connections, those downstate connections will help. It will be imperative. We'll be watching that one as it unfolds. Let's move to uh, some Chicago stuff. I uh, really want to talk to you about the DuSable Drive um, effort that you're making uh, to get the city to rename Lakeshore Drive for DuSable. Uh, we talked about this at length on the show it was a couple weeks ago, analyzing the council debate. Uh, and... Um, the efforts by the Lightfoot administration to what, how do I, how do I summarize what they were all about? I guess just to like put this, put your effort on the back burner somewhere and just let it simmer for a while until the stove turns off on its own. Uh, that's my interpretation, not David Moore's. I'm curious what David, uh, why don't you go back and talk why, first of all, you, you, you would like to see Lakeshore drive name for DuSable and what is the status of your efforts to get a rename. Go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So for me, um, it all started when I um, took a, um, a boat tour. And on that boat tour, the guide mentioned everybody else, including Al Capone, and never mentioned um, DuSabo. And true story. And and so after the tour, after the tour was over, I asked him, I said, how do you not mention um, the founding father of Chicago? And he said, who? I said, DuSable. He's like, oh, oh, well, I, I just probably forgot to say it. I usually say it. Well, that should, that should be the first thing that comes um, out of your mouth. And then after that, I decided, I said, you know what? Something has to be done in honor of him, uh, a higher honor. And uh, that's um, Lakeshore Drive came in mind to me. And so when I, when I first introduced it and talked about it, I got, you know, of course, pushback from definitely a lot of people up north, but even some people from out south. Let me be honest, and they was, and they were, and they was, and they were saying about the address changes and things like that, um, which in some cases makes sense. Okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that. But there was somebody up north, and I wish I, re- I hope I can find that person's email. They said, why don't you just focus on the outer drive, and then therefore. Uh, he can get the same recognition and then we don't have to change all these addresses. I don't have to change my license plate, all of this. And I said, okay, that's a, that's a good compromise. And therefore that's what we focused on was the um, outer drive from Hollywood to 67th street. And then um, I guess what, what frustrated me then when I began to hear things like, well, instead of doing the outer drive, this was from other people, um, both inside the administration and outside. Uh, won't you just keep it south of, um, you know, Roosevelt Road? See, those are, those, are, those are buzzwords to me. Or this one, why don't you just rename the Dan Ryan? Wait, what does that mean? What, I mean, these are all the things that I, I was getting being oh, for over a year and a half, a year and a half um, when I introduced this ordinance. And so um, we finally got it to committee. And then when it came to committee, they was like, well, we want to have a subject matter hearing on it. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Let's have a subject matter hearing on it. 
so everybody's voice can be heard because I'm a believer of everybody's voice being heard. So we had the subject matter hearing. Then I said, okay, we've had a subject matter hearing. Everybody understands um, the cost that they were talking about. Oh, that was an issue too, Ben. It's going to be too costly. So when they finally did the cost between what the state has to change and every what the city has to do was less than $2 million. And so, and so then I say, okay, now let's bring this to a vote. Well, we'll bring it in April. Well, April gets here, then it's not on the, uh, on the, um, on the uh, calendar. I'm like, wait, well, we're going to bring it up in late April, April 29th. Well, that means it's not going to come to city council till May. And so they bring it to April um, city council, I mean, April committee at the end of April, but be, three days before that, the administration comes out with a, they didn't call it an alternative. They called it um, a proposal that will, we think, could also best recognize DuSable. And now it was a $40 million proposal. Now, my, they talk about mine was too expensive. So now they're saying $25 million for the DuSable Park and then another um, $15 million um, um, for the Riverwalk. We renamed the Riverwalk after that. And then they threw in, well, we're also thinking about naming the Chicago River after him, um, but it's in some obscure agency inside the, um, inside the Department of Interior. And so, but we'll see what we can do. Wait, that's a heavier lift, <laughs> in my opinion, than, um, than the outer drive. And so um, uh, I, I listened to that and I, I didn't knock it. I said, that is a good compliment actually to um, um, the outer drive because when people are driving from the South, now they can go to the park and now they can go to the river walk. And when people are driving to the North, as they get um, familiar with them, they can come on down um, and um, high park area um, and go to the Dusabu museum. And so this way we could connect the entire um, city. So I didn't argue about that. I would say it was a nice compliment. Then when we get to committee, on the last day, they try to in- introduce a substitute. I'm like, how are you going to introduce a substitute on my ordinance? And the substitute was supposed to have been the um, the legal description of 67 to Hollywood, which I had asked for almost a month uh, before the meeting, hadn't gotten it. And when they when they gave the legal description at the hearing, it went all the way to 95th street on Ewing, something, <laughs> I, didn't, something I did not ask for. And, and, and it was, it was, it was, you know, described as well. We're doing the legal description the way he wanted it. No. And so that, that upset me. And I, and so I, the way I, the best way I can describe it being over a year and a half, they threw everything at me, including the kitchen sink. And then on the day of the hearing, they took the brick, out of the corner of the house, let the house fall on me. And while the house was falling on me, they threw the brick at me. And so it was, you know, and so we, we withstood that and we got it passed unanimously through committee and um, we'll be coming up for a vote in city council at this um, next week at city council. So it will be a vote and they will be renamed. It will be renamed. Correct. We have the votes, we have the votes to pass it. And if everybody stick to who's going to vote, uh, and support it, then we'll, it will be renamed. All right. Well, that that's and that's just that's and again, that's just the outer drive. Everybody who lives on Lakeshore Drive will still have their address. The only addresses that are affected are the uh, three to four harbors that are on Lakeshore Drive. And, and are you ready for this one, Ben? So as they're doing this and they're talking about the museums and all of that, 
the museums are using the incorrect address. <laughs> Every if all the museums are using the incorrect address. And so all the museums say um, whatever address Lakeshore Drive, but it's actually on um, Museum Way. Yeah. They got the, they got their own names that there. So when you're doing when you're when you're doing your navigation, you understand what I'm saying? And you talk about Lakeshore Drive, your your navigation drops you off right in the middle of Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you need GPS. Look, right. I I I could do a whole show on street naming. And we have a limited time, so I'm not going to do it. But before your time, now Del Marie is my generation. She knows this, David. After Martin Luther King was killed, they were trying to figure out a way to honor him with a street, but they didn't want the street going into white neighborhoods. David, I am telling you, this is the history of the city of Chicago. So they had to find a street that was long enough to be appropriately commemorative to a man of Dr. King's stature, but not too long that white people drove on it. So (laughs) I'm sorry. You got to laugh, David Moore. The city is insane. And then I remember um, Mayor Rahm and his, uh, after he closed the schools and the mental health clinics, he's like, how can I boost my popularity with black people? I know I'll change Stony Island to Bishop Brazier. Are you kidding? It's the exact opposite of what you're talking about, David. Everybody's going to have to change their address. Right. It's like suddenly, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ripping on Bishop Brazier. That's not the point. The point is, is that people didn't want to change their addresses. So right. what you're doing is a combination. When I followed your story, I thought of both the Bishop Brazier thing and the Dr. Martin Luther King drive, because on one hand you're honoring a black man, which is, I don't know. That's some, maybe some people are bothered by that in the city of Chicago still. And and there's none there there, before Ida B. Wells, there was nobody um, black had a um, street named after them in the uh, central business district. And and for the founding father not to be recognized in a major way, it is, it's really an insult. Well, I, I, when they pulled that stunt where they uh, came up with the substitute ordinance, extending it all the way to Ewing, I think they're doing this to kill this bill. And yes. then, uh, that, I mean, this is just a slick move. And then they're like, oh, oh, some, some error that we were unaware of, you know. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if it passes. So uh, I give you credit for, um, you know, being determined and ha- having tenacity. All right. Uh Let's see. Uh, well, also in the news today, I, I could not let you leave this interview without asking your thoughts about the police oversight bill. It's in today's Sun-Times article about it. And uh, according to uh, your colleague, uh, uh, Alderman Irvin from the 28th Ward, uh, the uh, Black Legislative Caucus in the uh, Chicago City Council has decided to join forces with the Progressive Caucus and Latino Caucus and support uh, a bill that would... I never thought I would see happen in my lifetime. Still not sure I will see happen in my lifetime. Uh, that takes away some of the mayoral control over the police department. Um, and uh, they say they have the votes even to override uh, a mayoral veto. We'll see about that. Uh, your thoughts about this issue, David Moore? Well, my thing is, and and, and so I, I haven't read that yet because just a couple of days ago, we were still <laughs> in some debate. So for that to have come out without me knowing about it is um, interesting um, because the, the the sticking point for me was the and I and maybe they've resolved that one is the ability 
to fire. And I don't mind them having a recommendation to fire, but I do not think they should have the ability um, to fire. And so um, that was, uh, I'm, I'm in support of this oversight board, but as I told the administration as well, because when this first started under the previous administration, um, every community meeting that I went to, and I went to all of them, um, you heard people say, we do not want the politicians to decide this for us. And so these both GAPA and CPAC who were on two different opposite ends of the world with their ordinances, all of them were listening to community people, different groups of community people, but they were getting, getting the community people input. And the fact that they finally came together and each of them gave up something to get, you know, close to a very good, what I believe is a very good ordinance is the one that I want to support as long as it doesn't have that they, they can recommend firing, but they should not have the ability um, to fire. And so when you, as long say, as, when you say fire, you mean fire the police chief, the superintendent, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And why don't you believe the civilian oversight board should have the authority to fire a police chief? Go ahead. And my, 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 I, I don't think so because I believe that whether you, it's, it's sort of like along the lines of the elected school board thing, which I do believe in a hybrid model, I tell people, but if you got a totally elected school board, guess what happens? The mayor is going to, who's ever mayor, be it you, me or Del Marie. We're gonna get the, we're gonna get the, we're gonna get the blame for it, and I think and I think there's got to be some um, point of accountability with and, and leadership in terms of where the people um, 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 when they select and vote for someone. Now, what the what the oversight board does though, say hey, they can they can say hey, we do not have um, we don't have a, a, a faith in this person or the, uh, our vote of confidence is not in this person and then put the pressure on us as elected officials because that voice should be rising from the community. And then it should be then rising from us as elected bodies to saying, because if it's coming from our community, I have to be listening to my community. And I have to be saying, Mayor, this person has to go. This person has to go. And when, and when they any mayor feels that pressure, whether it's Mayor Lori Lightfoot sitting in that seat or, uh, or, or, or Mayor, you know, anybody sitting in that seat, they have to be able to feel that pressure from the people and not just from a, a, an elected body of a group um, of um, individuals that were probably put in with some, you know, depending on who got the most money. <laughs> All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, it would be a boring world if Alderman David Moore and Ben Jarofsky agreed on everything. So we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that elected school board thing. Uh, th- that hybrid model, I, open window throw out in my humble opinion. Uh, but I, I respectfully listen to what you had to say. I get opportunity all the time to vent on my opinion. So I, uh, I respectfully listen to what you have to say. And I'm really curious what a mayor Del Marie Cobb would do in that position. <laughs> that, that's blowing my mind right there. Um, I'm going to close uh, with this, David. And I've, I've asked every alderman uh, this question when they come on the show. I get a lot of aldermen on the show. What's your attitude about Mayor Lori Lightfoot? And, uh, you know, so much of the stories about her, I don't know her. I mean, I've interviewed her, but I don't, I'm not friends with her. I've never socialized with her. I, I've only dealt with her in the context of being an interviewer, if you follow what I'm saying. I never got in a car like I did with you and drove for two hours with her. You know what I'm saying? And um, so uh, what's your working relationship with her and what's your opinion of her, Lori Lightfoot? 
Absolutely. Mayor Lightfoot, we have a good working relationship. But I tell you this, it was just like um, with Rom. I tell people, uh, and you've heard this saying before, um, no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent interests. And everybody know what my core interest is, is always go back to what are you doing for the least of those? If you're not, if your policy is not stating that, or you're asking me to vote for something that is not helping the least of those, I, um, with also, I'm a person that believes in working together with people, regardless as if you, you know, you, you see how you just said you disagree with me on the um, school board thing and you can, you can challenge me and we can agree to disagree, but tomorrow you should be able to call me and say, Hey, um, Alderman, this, this, I need some help here um, because this street is bad or I need some help with this development. And I, and I cannot say, well, you wasn't with me um, on the school board, so I'm not going to help you. Um, in those ways, um, I, I want my, I want the mayor that I support to be um, more um, um, acceptable in that manner. Um, and so a lot of things are not personal. It's just you agree to disagree and, and you move on. But I think um, I think I know she has a good heart. I don't think I know she has a good heart uh, and I know she wants to do the right thing. Sometimes it's about, you know, how you do that. And so I'm supportive of her. Um, we've like this Dusabo thing. We disagree on. There's some other things we've disagreed on. And, and but we've had a working and respectable relationship. Um, where we can get through it. But I want her to be not only that way with me, but also with many other people as well. Yeah. All right. Very well done. Uh, Alderman David Moore, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to you with your Secretary of State campaign. I got a feeling we'll bring you back uh, as the campaign unfolds. I'll probably bring back some of the other, some on the other candidates uh, as well. Uh, but uh, best of luck to you. All right, David. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate this opportunity. It's always good seeing you had to come back out. We're doing, we're doing some really good things in the 17th floor. So you got to come back out and take a drive with me. I'll take another drive. Uh, looking <laughs> forward to that. That's Alderman David Moore to the 17th Ward.